Welcome to MemoQ Talks, where we talk to industry leaders about their experiences, lessons learned, and what works best across all areas of localization. Now here's your host. Hello, everybody. Welcome to MemoQ Talks. My name is Mark Schreiner, and I'll be your host for this episode of MemoQ Talks. And this is a special episode because we have a great guest and I'm in a great environment. I'm sitting outside my hotel room down in Palm Springs. Uh, today, we're going to be talking with uh, Barbara Peralta, who is the director of Life Science Solutions for Accolad Life Sciences. Barbara has about 30 years of experience in the local industry and about 15 years of experience specifically um, in language services related to life sciences. Um, and so we're going to talk today about, you know, some trends in life sciences and, and you know, what does the future hold in for, for translation in this space. But first off, let's welcome Barbara. Barbara, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? Pretty good. Like I said, I'm in sunny Palm Springs. <laughs> Just yes. three, three days ago, I was in cold, rainy Seattle. Um, so I'm no complaints at all. Where are you at? I'm in Colorado. I'm in Boulder, Colorado. Boulder, Colorado. Uh, Akhalad has an office here in the Denver metro area, um, but we're all working from home these days. Yeah. So I'm in my well, home Bo in Boulder, Colorado. Boulder is one of my favorite towns. Um, I was in Fort Collins last fall, uh, or actually it was early winter. Love it up there. Beautiful part of the country. You don't have palm trees, though. No, we don't. But we do have blue <laughs> skies. We have blue skies today. <laughs> you do. You do. Yeah. So that's it's very nice to have. Hey, um, I got to ask. I mean, you have a ton of experience in this, experience in this space. Um, what are you seeing in terms of, you know, trends or the biggest changes, I should say? Is it, you know, volume changes or the type of translation in life sciences that is, is being required now, prices changes, tools? I mean, what are you seeing as some of the biggest changes of, over the last few years? Well, um, I'd say that uh, perhaps the um, not so much a new change, but a continuing uh, challenge uh, for life sciences cu customers is um, meeting regulatory requirements, uh, and and those requirements change all the time. Um, last year uh, and this year, we have the new MDR IVDR regulation in Europe that's driving a lot of change uh, for med device and IVD device customers. Uh, that's uh, requiring that customers think about. Uh, uh, how they can transform their organization to to meet those requirements more readily. Um, same thing on the pharma side. We have regulations, a new regulation this year, CTR, uh, centralized translation uh, or centralized um, or clinical trial regulation that centralizes and harmonizes that whole submissions process within the uh, EU community again. Um, and if you want to look at challenges uh, globally, um, each country and each region has their own set of uh, regulations that are somewhat similar to MDR or CTR, um, but are have their own different flavor, whether you're going into China or Russia uh, or Latin American markets, um, uh, all of them have their own set of requirements. And so for a med device or for a pharma company to be in a place where they can respond and, um, and meet those requirements is always challenging. And as a language service provider, we're here to uh, be equally informed and equally um, flexible and uh, responsive to those regulatory changes. Wow. I mean, how, first off, how, <laughs> no, no, that's, I mean, it's, it, it, it is an uh, 
it's a massive challenge because you have all these different regulatory bodies by industry, by geography, for example, um, and you have to keep abreast of, of their latest you know, regulatory stance. How do you keep abreast of what's going on in all these different industries, all these different locations? Well, that's, um, that's primarily my role is to stay abreast and uh, I work with partners who are regulatory experts in the industry and in the various uh, sectors to help us stay informed and, and stay ahead, you know, be prepared um, and understand what those uh, regulatory changes mean, how they impact language services and how we can be better situated to uh, respond to our customers' needs um, as they try to themselves to respond to regulatory changes. Um, and so that's, you, that's primarily it, just staying informed and, and kind of connecting the dots to the language services industry. Can you give some specific examples from any of those regulatory bodies of, of new regulations that affect translation or content creation workflows and then how you have coached or helped your customers respond to those? Yeah, a great example is the MDR uh, regulation. Um, uh, in the past, it was an MDD, uh, uh, Medical Device Directive, and now it's a regulation with a lot stricter rules around what you need to have in place um, to for market authorization, but also what you need to have in place um, uh, post-market uh, for surveillance and um, uh, getting feedback from the market on, on a performance of product. And, and that has a lot of impact uh, on language services. Um, it's always been a requirement in order to introduce a, a product and country in the EU to have labeling translated. Um, but now, now that labeling has uh, new requirements around UDI and storing of that information in a centralized database, as well as uh, requirements around keeping that labeling up to date based on post-market surveillance and feedback from the market. All of this is in the effort to be more transparent to the end user, to the patients who are using, who are benefiting from these medical devices. Uh, and so as a language service provider, we see a lot of connections um, uh, between labeling and let's say post-market surveillance reporting. Um, there's a new requirement, for example, around um, uh, a new document that a med device company has to generate called the SSCP, uh, which has to be for class three devices and uh, implantables has to be updated annually. And this is a new requirement that could have large impact to a medical device company. Um, we see that there are a lot of commonalities between that, that new reporting requirement and the labeling and as a translation service provider, language service provider, we've we've stored all of that labeling translation in our translation memory databases. And so we we are seeing uh, ways that we can help our customers to leverage previously translated, previously authored content in the uh, labeling space um, uh, to be leveraged into that that new reporting requirement, and vice versa. There's there's even more opportunities for companies in the med device area. To, to look at uh, component um, uh, structured content authoring and component content management to leverage information that they're gathering in post-market, using that information in, a various, in various reporting, uh, such as the SSCP, but also to update their labeling and, and stay in compliance. 
um, with any uh, changes that have to happen to their product and to their um, to their labeling and to their reporting based on post-market information. I, I feel like every time you give me an answer, I, my brain just explodes and I get like <laughs> so many more questions because, and I mean, it's, it's just a testament to your the depth of your knowledge and what you're seeing out there. Um, the, first off, a very simple question. You mentioned UDI. What is that? UDI is a unique uh, document, I think, or device identifier. It's a new, it's a number that the okay. EU is saying uh, every device that's introduced into the market needs to have this number and needs to be on on, uh, on the product, on the labeling, uh, and needs to be stored in the in the EU database, uh, again, for tracking and transparency purposes, uh, so that uh, um, patients and users can get access to this information in an easy in an easy way. Okay, excellent. That that totally makes sense. Now, you also mentioned post-market surveillance, and I, I read one of your papers on that, and it's uh, it's actually a very interesting field for me, uh, just because of the sheer volume of content that I would anticipate being created, and some of the different tip tools and techniques and processes that are be, be, being able to kind of monitor that uh, that content. Can you talk a little bit, you know, maybe give it another little higher level overview of, of what post-market surveillance is, but then talk about, you know, how are companies or how are you helping companies to kind of, you know, monitor the signal from that for that content and, and flag what's important and what's not? Right. So um, post-market surveillance can happen uh, in a variety of different ways. One is through adverse events reporting uh, in, as the product is in the field. Uh, or in clinical evaluation, you'll get from from the clinicians uh, um, adverse events reporting. And and so, if this product is in a global market uh, in the EU, for example, you'll get a lot of that reporting in in the local language. And so that's where we step in and can uh, quickly and efficiently uh, translate those materials uh, so that the med device company can then assess you know, what the risks are, uh, what is the severity of the adverse event and what are the risks, and then take action accordingly. Um, uh, there are rules around how quickly a med device company needs to respond based on the severity of the adverse event. And so we have to be, as a language service provider, uh, agile enough to uh, get that translated and get it into the hands of the, uh, our med device sponsor so that they can take appropriate action. So that's one way. Uh, another way might be just uh, uh, part of the uh, MDR um, guidance is that um, as part of uh, their post-market surveillance plan, a med device company needs to be more proactive about uh, gathering information, not just waiting for a, an adverse event to be reported. And so, you know, looking at uh, uh, literature that's out there, uh, uh, scanning for um, in social media for information, uh, and that's where some of the tools of the trade can come in to help uh, uh, with our language capabilities to help uh, uh, scan and, and research and gather that information for our med device sponsors and give them that translated information so that they can use this information for for further uh, assessment of risk and um, um, safety. So do you, um, is it all human translated or do you have a process to empty something and then flag certain terms or phrases as they come up? 
Well, some of uh, most of what we're using MT for is obviously for machine translation. Uh, we use AI for machine translation. Uh, and because of the tight reporting requirements, uh, MT is part of how we can do this quickly and efficiently, always with a human post-editor who has the life sciences background to make sure that right. we are still delivering um, uh, to quality. This is this is a medical field, uh, and quality is still of the utmost importance. Um, and so it's always with a post-editing effort in conjunction with um, machine translation, as well as with translation, the traditional tools, translation memory, et cetera. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that because we 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 all we do have a translation memory platform. <laughs> Sorry, Everybody a little product does. plug there. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, translation <laughs> is just part of the tools of the trade, right? And MT is 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 also becoming part of that arsenal of tools that we apply uh, to get uh, to be agile, streamlined, and efficient. Um, but AI can also be used, um, and many of our med, med, medical and life sciences customers are using it to assess. Uh, to to do an assessment of risk, right? To uh, to evaluate uh, uh, the data that they're getting uh, through their uh, post market surveillance um, and to assess risk. Um, and and we can help with identifying, you know, where uh, we can help to categorize uh, uh, some of that risk. Um, but it would still require there uh, our sponsors quality teams to really really assess since they have the the, the subject matter knowledge on their specific product, um, they would still own the, the the final assessment of that risk. But we could flag some of that information as we as we translate and do our own content analysis on that yeah, material. Yeah, because if they don't have the tools to get the the source content into uh, the content that they want to deal with, they're going to be looking at signal that they can't really decipher, right? right. So you're exactly yeah. so harmonization of that data is is part of what we're doing in in our language services, um, not just translation, but helping to kind of harmonize that data so that it it can be read in in by AI engines to assess the that content. Excellent. Um, Earlier, you'd mentioned structured content and templates, and you'd mentioned it, I think, in the context of, of uh, instructions for use, or maybe it was labeling. Um, it's also part of like lay summaries and things like that. Can you maybe talk a little bit about why is structured content becoming increasingly important and maybe some of the applications, down, road, down path applications? Right, so there, as I said, there's new reporting requirements around lay summaries and, and SSCPs. Um, that share a lot of common content that appears in your traditional labeling. Uh, and the labeling um, has always been a requirement in, in the EU to have that material translated in order for market authorization. But now with post-market surveillance being uh, new requirements around that and new documentation that also needs to be translated, uh, we can leverage a lot of that content uh, across um, uh, across what is traditionally kind of siloed activity. Uh, labeling is usually produced by a labeling group within our med device sponsors, and then these quality um, quality reporting is produced by quality or regulatory. And the two groups aren't always talking to to each other, uh, and so having all of that content in a structured format within a centralized repository means that uh, uh, you can share that content, you can publish in different form, different channels. Uh, in labeling as well as in the reporting, quality reporting, but you can all also 
use that same content or, or it'll facilitate the update of that content, which is also a requirement under MDR that this uh, that this that these reporting uh, documents be updated annually or biannually, depending on the, the class of the device. And so it really streamlines the whole end to end. You know, you're getting feedback from the market uh, that will impact your your product and the safety requirements and communication of that product. And that goes into your quality reporting as well as your labeling. And so having all of that in a um, CMS uh, uh, with structured content will facilitate all of that reuse. And there's also reporting that actually doesn't need to get translated, but can also benefit from structured content um, because that's also sharing the same information uh, uh, and that's used in, in further reporting, perhaps only in English, but it still will facilitate all of that process. There, I turned my mic off because um, <laughs> I'm well. I'm at the pool, and of course, they turn the pool music on. And uh, but I, I, this is going to be a great test because we're recording this in Microsoft Teams, and I turned on the noise suppression uh, feature. What you, can you hear the music? No, I can't. But my 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 heater just went on. <laughs> I can't hear your uh, heater. You can't hear my music, and okay, my music good. is awesome. But <laughs> I be probably not great for the podcast. But it, I mean, this noise suppression is pretty cool because it basically takes my voice and then everything behind that. It's supposed to block out, um, and if not, I'll have to edit it out afterwards. Anyway, you got to roll with the punches, right? I, 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 I think we could spend probably another hour just uh, go sifting through all the different um, applications for structured content, but. But one of the key points is organizations are creating this content in multiple different silos and and they're they're kind of reinventing the wheel each time that's an extra cost it's also an extra risk because uh, you know yeah. if, if you if you get it right over here but you don't get the terminology right over there and it's not consistent you have potential issues and the stakes are pretty high in life sciences you know, right. <laughs> you right. don't, want to, don't want to mess that up um let me ask you uh one more, well, two more questions. One about, I mean, because we've been talking a lot about what's going on in the EU. What's something specific uh, that people in, that are, you know, working in life sciences in North America that they should be aware of? Something specific that they should be aware of? Well, I'm sure. Any, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say any recent regulatory changes, anything like that? Well, MDR and IVDR uh, that went MDR went into effect last year, and IVDR this year uh, for the EU. Um, but uh, other countries are following suit. You know, they're doing they have their own uh, uh, regulations that are very similar to MDR, IVDR. So you have the same sort of uh, regulation in China, in Japan, in in Russia. You know, so so being aware of, of what those implications are, uh, how it affects your um, global um, product uh, um, plan. Well, to, I mean, right, yeah, right. Exactly. Because if you're selling into the EU, you're selling into China. You, you and I'm assuming you, you help companies with that by because if I'm sitting in a an office here, a big challenge. I'm sure I, you know all these companies. They have their regulatory, their their compliance teams, etc. Um, but they're looking at regulatory compliance from a huge, you know, the right. 30,000 foot view. You're right. very much, and you're very much focused on the linguistic, you know, the, the, the localization right. side, right? And so, you know, we, we partner with, uh, with uh, consultants, experts in the regulatory space 
because there's there's a lot about the regulations that don't impact language services, obviously. So there mm -hmm. there's there's a whole clinical upstream clinical requirement under MDR uh, that uh, that will impact a, a, a med device company uh, that doesn't necessarily affect us in language services. Um, so we can bring uh, uh, expertise through our partnerships uh, to help med device uh, companies get ready. Um, but we're also very cognizant of how how these regulations impact language services, and also trying to connect the dots. You know, we see we're doing we've been doing labeling traditionally for many many years, and now with the new requirements, we're seeing we've done the analysis and we see where those leverage points are and where where we can achieve efficiencies, and 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 uh, achieve a lot in cost savings and. Um, uh, time savings as well as reduced risk. And so uh, from a language service perspective, we're, we're highly focused on that, but we're aware that there are other impacts to our customers and can bring the expertise to help them get ready. And the same thing is happening on pharma, except, uh, except that pharma's perhaps a little bit more advanced. Uh, their requirements have been in place for some time. They're, they continue to evolve and have impact to language services, but, uh, but we can bring experts along to help our customers understand the full gamut of that regulatory, um, of those regulatory changes. One of the things I love about this space is it's, um, it's complex, dynamic, and rapidly growing and evolving. Um, having come into the translation industry, I actually came in with a company that worked primarily in the financial services space. Um, and then had it then transferred over more to like a generalist company. And the difference is amazing because when you're just a generalist, uh, you're you're kind of selling a commodity. Um, but if you've got specialized expertise in terms of processes, technologies, tools, et cetera, uh, regulatory compliance, um, you're bringing real value add to the table. And, and that's always much more enjoyable. Let me ask you in, in terms of technology, whether that's AI, machine learning, you, you mentioned a couple of those, or it could be just automation, different tools, what what are you seeing right now as critical and then down the road expecting to you know become more uh, more involved in the local workflows in this industry yeah that's a good question i think um i think COVID has really had a, a serious impact uh especially on the pharma side with clinical trials uh clinical trials have had to or pharma and cro Companies have had to adopt um, uh, some techniques to handle the uh, what they're now calling decentralized clinical trials, where you've got things happening remotely and um, and and happening more quickly and much more with a lot more agility. Um, and I think it's good for the for the industry actually um, because um, uh, the speed with which uh, the industry responded with vaccines and treatments um, really transformed how how we approach that whole clinical trial uh, process. Uh, and so we're seeing a lot of new technologies being introduced in this decentralized model, um, uh, more telehealth, obviously, uh, and where we can step in and where there's technology that could help with this is, you know, uh, on-demand interpretation, uh, on-demand um, uh, chat support, um, multilingual, you know, chat support. Right. 
and having the technology available to be able to to provide those services um, for whether it's a pharmaceutical company or a CRO who's having to respond very quickly and put these systems and processes in place uh, to be able to meet the demand of more agility and, and faster, speedier time to market. Again, that's all for, from where I sit, that's all good news because the opportunity to introduce technology for um, you know te technological solutions for increasingly complex work environments so it it, it makes sure that um, we'll have a job tomorrow <laughs> so right that's good, yeah. good for all we have to stay on our toes as well to make sure that we're we're there to meet the needs right and exactly well hey Barbara I, I really enjoyed this conversation um, I, I, I'm sure like I said we could go like an hour on each one of these topics uh, but memo Q talks we do like 30 minutes and that's the whole idea of it I would like to remind everybody that uh, Barbara is going to be uh, part of our next life sciences roundtable discussion uh, which will be held in March and uh, we're going to talk about this and and we're going to go, go a little bit deeper dive on, on some of these topics with Barbara and our and our other panelists so hey Barbara thank you so much for today and uh, we'll talk soon my pleasure talk to you soon bye-bye thank you for joining memo Q talks where we talked with industry leaders about their experiences and lessons learned to gain new insights about what works best across all areas of localization join us next time on memo Q talks 